G'day, what's up? We are back with another episode of Running Things. My name's Riley. I'm your host. I'm still the editor over at TempoJournal.com as well. Uh, pretty fun episode today. Certainly very different to, I think, anything uh, anything we've brought you guys before. Of course, last week we had New Zealand's finest Camille Buscom on the show. If you haven't checked that one out, uh, you can find it before this episode, obviously. Uh, today we are going to be talking about a pretty wild uh, ultra up in New South Wales taking place this weekend. I'm really excited about it. I'm actually heading up to shoot this. It's actually going to be the first race or event that I've covered for Tempo since, I don't know, um, Olympic trials marathon in February in the US. Uh, so that'll be interesting. It's the Coast to Cozzy Ultra Marathon. It's 240 kilometers or I think that's about 150 miles uh, for our American friends. Starts in Eden, which is a small town um, not that far from the border of Victoria, New South Wales, uh, and kind of snakes its way up to the top of Mount Kosciuszko, which is our tallest peak in Australia. 240 Ks, 6,000 meters of climbing. We're going to be talking to Michaela McDonald. So Michaela is uh, one of the entrants in the race. She's a friend of Tempo. Michaela was part of our speed project team in 2019, which uh, broke the women's record on the course from LA to Las Vegas. So Really excited to chat to Michaela. I've actually never even covered any kind of ultra, whether it's 50K or 100K. So uh, I'm pretty excited to go and, and cover a 240K race. We'll, um, we'll bring you guys all that action as it happens on social channels. And we're also obviously writing a piece for the website as well. So let's jump into it. Let's hear about what inspires someone and motivates somebody to enter a 240K ultra. All right, guys, super fun episode today. We are getting off the track, getting off the road. We're talking all things ultra running with Sydney ultra runner, Michaela McDonald. Mick, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Riley. Hey, uh, what's uh, super excited about uh, this coming weekend for anybody who isn't yet aware of it, we're going to be talking all things Coast to Cozzy, which is a about 240k <laughs> ultra um, from, I think it's Eden, a small little town. South Coast, New South Wales, up to mm -hmm. uh, up to Kosciuszko. Jeez, uh, where do we start? <laughs> explain explain a bit more about the race for us. It looks like a, would it be fair to say it's a fairly grassroots style event? For sure. So Coast of Kosciuszko, Coast of Kosciuszko as it's affectionately known, is a race that's been around for quite a while and sort of started with a few guys who thought, let's travel from the coast of Australia to the highest point. Um and I'm pretty sure in those early, early years, uh, one of the guys actually took like over 70 hours to do it. So it's, it's come from this thing where there were just a, yeah, huge amount of time. So a bunch of guys who decided to set out and have this, um, I mean, it, it's a lot of what ultra running's about. And it's a lot of what trail running's about is the, the journey and traveling point to point and, and carrying yourself that distance. So something like that is always appealed to a lot of ultra runners, but also in saying that, not a lot of people are going to want to run 240K. So it kind of keeps that field pretty small, which keeps the grassroots feel of it alive. Um, at like, at like most ultra events, you know, there's no prize money. So it doesn't attract anyone from that sense. Like the prize you get for finishing isn't a Kubra. Um, and each subsequent finish is a pin to put in the Akubra. So yeah, it does keep it pretty grassroots and there's not a lot of fanfare involved. That's uh that's bulk Australiana, what a prize. Um now, have you I think this is your first time running this event, right? 
Yeah, due to, uh, well, we was meant to run in 2018, um, like trained, uh, so there's a, a huge process involved in actually getting into the race because um, they are super protective of the finishing rate. So they don't want to just send out anyone into something like that and go, good luck. So to, to get in, you've got to have run um, 100K and 100 mile within a certain period. So I kind of made the decision that I wanted to do the race after doing um, my first 100 mile back in 2017 um, and decided I wanted to do Coast to Cozzy. So signed up to do that in 2018 and then two weeks out they uh, had to cancel it. So that was – it's always been a bit of a thorn in my side and I had a bit of a like just kind of reset after that and, and focused on some shorter stuff and then – I actually had plans to run it as a solo FKT at the end of the year um, and then it popped up as coming back on the scene, which re- like no one really expected it to come back. So the fact that it's come back is really cool. Um, yeah, first time lining up but second time ended. And I think uh, I think a couple of months ago when it was like when it was announced that it was back on, um, you you pretty much found out it was back on and you had to run like I think you almost went out like that weekend or the weekend after and ran 100k with some mates just because you had to make sure you tick that box. Is that right? Yeah. So they said, we're bringing this race back. Um, entries will open in a month. Uh, if you were due to run in 2018, you'll get precedence, but you had to have run 100k since then, since um, you'd entered. And I sat there and went, I haven't run 100k. And I'd spoken to two of my other mates and that were due to run in 2018. And we kind of joked, like, should we just go run 100k? And and I kind of sat on it and I was like, well, yeah, like I'm going to go run 100K. So that weekend, the three of us came up with um, the easiest way to run 100K in the, the Blue Mountains. And um, yeah, a good buddy of mine who actually used to run um, Ultra 168, which was like super like critical and kind of driving the interest for, for ultra running in Australia. He had mapped this route out that he'd always wanted to do. And we decided to go do it. Yeah, I mean, I was so undercooked um, to do it. And so were both of they. Um, one of them hadn't run longer than 20Ks um, for about a year. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was pretty grim, but there was always that thing in the back of my head that was like, if we finish, like I'm almost guaranteed an entry. So it's worth doing. Um, so, yeah, that that's um, it's good training, if nothing um, else. Now, I, I don't want to... Um... I don't want to kind of normalize what you're doing because like the way that you talk about it and the way that like we, we speak about it is like, oh yeah, after my first hundred miler or yeah, we just went out and decided to run the hundred K. Like people would be listening to this thinking, oh, okay, Michaela does these kind of like these events every weekend. Right. But <laughs> yeah. 200, like 240 Ks is like a monumental challenge for anybody. Like you 100%. can't, you can't be like totally trained and prepared for something like this. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, I, I've actually been having this conversation a lot recently that um, it's it's unreal that this like ultra running has really gained this huge interest from like runners and, um, you know, even triathletes jumping across and, and that kind of thing, just endurance sports in general, I guess. And it's it's kind of become this new thing that people will go out and run a big distance, maybe to fundraise or anything like that. But it, it definitely trivializes how hard that stuff is. And I I had this conversation with Tim that like it took me um, it it took a lot for me afterwards to kind of sit there and go 
this isn't normal. Like this isn't just going out and doing your half marathon or, or even like a 10 K like half marathon is still a bloody long way too. But you, I, I got to the last sort of 10 K and, and Tim was with me at that point. Sorry, Tim's my partner, but he came out and crewed me and I was with him for the last 10 K. And I just looked at him and said, this really hurts. Like I've forgotten how much this really hurts. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's really tough. Um, and it, it definitely gets normalized. And there's, I, I go through these waves of being super confident that, um, I can, I can run for 240 Ks. And then I have these moments of going, Oh, like I could fall apart and this could end up, I could end up being out there for 70 hours. Like who the hell knows? Like it's one of those complete unknowns. And, and I guess like the other beauty is, is that people are doing this stuff faster and faster and faster. And you look at these guys and you go, holy moly, like, you know, like our buddy Kirsch on the weekend running and 50 mile race, averaging four minute Ks for 50 miles. Like that's not normal, but you look <laughs> at that data and go, oh shit, like there's guys out here doing that stuff. So it's awesome and it's great, but I, I guess, um, I just don't, yeah, I don't want people to look at what they're doing and think, oh, I'm only doing a half marathon or I'm only doing this or I'm, because it's a, it's a big thing that people do like UTA every year. Someone will always say, I'm only doing the 50 and like, it's never only a 50. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, a little later on, I want to ask you about, um, you know, good advice for people who are trying to like, you know, get into this kind of world, but, but for yourself, like. You know, the the sort of the gateway drugs to a 240K race, is it, was it a pretty natural progression for you of like, maybe you did a 50K, then a hundred, then a hundred miler. And is it just constantly like, okay, well, what's next? How do I keep topping this? Is that kind of how it happened for you? Kind of. I, I did my first 50K like completely blissfully unaware of what I was doing. Um, I ran the whole course the weekend before because I wanted to make sure I could cover the distance. And I look at that now and I think that's so stupid. Right. So you did you did the fifty k the week before the race and then did it again for the race. So me and my best friend um, had signed up for our first fifty k and we were like, "Shit, we should like I don't actually know if I can run fifty k. We should probably check if we can run fifty k first. So yeah, we went out and ran it. Which just in hindsight, if I like if I had a client now who was like. Oh, I think I should I should run fifty k. Like you're an idiot, but like <laughs> I was I was that idiot at one point. Yeah, so I ran that fifty k and just had the best day. Like thought it was I just really really enjoyed myself. And then um, was like, well, and I mean, Tim obviously my partner was running them, and I was crewing him, and it kind of like built from there. And I've I've never been super interested in running the distance for the dis- the sake of running the distance, but it's been more so about events that have really drawn me in. So like Tarawira in New Zealand, I crewed Tim there and I was like, this race is unreal. I want to come back. It looks amazing. The scenery is beautiful. The people are unreal. So that was my first 100K. Yeah, first 100K back, I don't know, 2016, I think, 15. Um, and I had a shocker, absolute shocker, but like loved every minute of it. And um, there's this like funny thing that happens at the end of a race where you think you're absolutely flying and you're like, oh, I must be running like at least four minute pace right now. Like I'm moving pretty well for someone who's run 100K. And then you look back at your data and you're like, I was running six minute Ks. But um, <laughs> it's one of those things that I got to the end and I was like, I actually feel pretty good. Like I, I feel like I could do more with this. And then Tim ran um, 100 mile and I was like, man, I'll give 100 miles crap. So I ran 100 mile and was like, I really feel, felt like I found kind of my thing with 100 miles. Like I loved it. I just, I, 
I just loved it. Like I didn't really fall apart too badly until probably the last 5K where I was really like, I'm over this, I want this to be over. But really, really just loved it. Um, and as a consequence, looked at like what I could do from there. And we are kind of limited with races in Australia, especially that super long distance stuff. Um, I mean, there's heaps under Ks popping up and that's awesome. And, um, but like 100 milers are pretty hard to come by. And then I was like, well, I've run 100 mile or I've run 100K. I may as well just enter this race. And um, I'm one of those ultra runners who really loves running on the road for long periods, which um, everyone's always like, why? I don't know. You kind of get the whole like, man, trail's better than road. But there's like a really nice feeling of just being the monotony of the road. So mm. that throws a lot of people off from doing that race. But I kind of said to Tim, I think this is my niche. Like I think running for a really long period on – a surface where I'm not going to bin it because I'm pretty good at um, binning it on trails um, and stacking it and really <laughs> injuring myself. So I think, yeah, it's not like so much an organic progression, but more so like I looked at what was out there and like my first 100 mile was at this event that like we the event shirts are wrong. So like the the checkpoints on the event shirts don't actually exist and they're in the wrong order and they're, like they're spelt incorrectly and like, you know, it's just one of those events that you're never going to, no one's ever going to hear about, but the community you build around it like is unreal and that's kind mm. of the thing that draws me towards racing and like I'm not a, not a huge racer, like I don't race because I love the um love winning or anything like that but I just race because I can hang out with my friends and you get to do something cool and yeah that's kind of what I guess pushed me into that direction that like I, I guess one of the reasons I'm interested in that progression is you know like we are seeing ultra running like absolutely explode like like firstly we're seeing like trail running generally as a hobby yeah explode or as a sport rather and then we're seeing participation in ultras like go through the roof and so you know like and we look at something like uta we're seeing okay that's obviously selling out faster and faster so you know if we look a couple of years down the track are we going to see a lot of those 100k as at uta start to look for something more whether that's a hundred miler and then you know potentially into something like costa cozy yeah you know like um I definitely think the 100 mile is the new 100K. Like the 100K was always this thing for people that went, that's the pinnacle. Like no one will run further than that. And then um, not only are people running far, but they're running fast. So it's like mm. it's this progression that's happening at the same time where you've got guys running 12-hour 100 miles, which is like previously like that's insane. Like it's one of those things that, um, I think attracts people because you've got a lot of guys who come from the road, like fast marathon runners who are looking at, um, running 50 Ks, 100 Ks. But that also means that, um, and I, I mean, this isn't true for everyone, but like Tim and I often have this discussion that, um, we're not fast enough to be competitive at 100K anymore because you've got guys that are running 211 marathons. Wow. Like in the States, for instance, there's a guy who ran JFK who um, is a 211 marathoner and everyone was like, this guy's going to, you know, absolutely rip it. Um, he had a good run. He, I think he was like eighth or something like that. But, yeah, there's. I think there's this new kind of like um, this new kind of level of runner coming through, which I think is really cool. Um, that it's just becoming so competitive, like mm. at those, at those distances. Um, and I mean, all you've got to do is look at an event like six foot track, which attracts a huge amount of people. Like every year it's a lottery and it's pretty hard to get into. And 
um, Hanny Alston, who's got the women's course record there. It's insanely fast and it's super impressive and, and that kind of stuff is really, really cool. Um, but I, I do think as that stuff gets faster, people kind of look at it and go, Oh, that's really fast. I'm a, I'm a person who kind of likes to run all day. Maybe I'll go check out a hundred mile or done a couple hundred yeah. Ks. I'm going to do a hundred mile. And I think because of our American friends who, um, obviously operate in miles, they have a heap more hundred miles over there. And like all the big races, like your Western states, your UTMBs, all that, they're all hundred miles. So everyone wants mm. to do the cool hundred milers. So I, I mean, I get it. It's, um, hundred K is bloody hard and, um, it's definitely not an easy feat, but there's a, like, there's a whole other level to running a hundred miles. It's for context, like, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our audience are, you know, track fans or, or road running fans. Um, and as I say, like we start to normalize these distances where they kind of, uh, you know, lose some of their meaning, 100K, 100 mile, you know, 240K like Coast to Cozzy. How long are we talking for Coast to Cozzy? Like, it's, it's, I think, 6,000 meters of elevation, which, as I think you said to me, when you consider the distance, it's not that much climbing. But how long do you expect to be out there for? It's funny, right? So, um, I I look at um, I look at what other women have done there before, and I know that if um, I have the day I'm capable of, I I would like to think I could get as close to the course record as possible. Um, I think, given the field that's lining up this year, I'm not going to be surprised if like at least an hour, if not two hours, goes off that record, which is the record there is like a couple of minutes over thirty hours, so. Um, it's a, yeah, fast. 30 hours. Um, <laughs> so quick. Um, it's, it's a funny race, right? Because, um, there's a few things that come into play. So obviously, um, when you're running for a day and a half, anything's going to happen. Like if you think about what you did a day and a half ago, like how many things have happened since then? So there's that, right? Then there's the added context of, um, it's the middle of summer. So it could be scorching hot, but we're running from the beach and we're running into alpine country. So as soon as we reach alpine, like who knows, it could end up being freezing. Like there's so many variables. And as much as I'd like to sit here and quantify, like, you know, from this point to this point, you're going to take this long and you need to do this and you need to do that. It's like, I'm going to start, I'm going to finish and hopefully it's going to be within a reasonable time. Um, the men there before have run like, um, quick. So the men's record is just a smidgen over 24 hours. So that's like six minute Ks for 240 Ks, which is, um, like if you're, if you're a big, um, track fan, like I'm sure six minute Ks doesn't sound at all impressive, but <laughs> when you think about holding that for, um, for 24 hours, it's quite a long time. Um, but again, like the men's field this year is, is super stacked as well. So it's going to be really cool to watch what happens there. Um, the guy who's got the course record though is like a super class athlete, like top 10 UTMB and Western States and things like that. Um, so who knows if that record will go. Um, the women's record is, is super impressive too. I just think that there's like a few women in the field that, that could really give it a nudge and it's, it's come close before. So. Yeah, mm. I, I think only good things can come from having that field. And um, I think if it's the right day, I, I think it'll go. And I think there'll be, um, I think there'll be a few women pushing for it. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I guess the mental side of it. I mean, over a distance of, of 240 Ks and, you know, maybe around 30 hours, like 
I dare say you're going to spend, a f- and, and it's a small field, so you're going to spend a fair bit of time on your own. And, yep. you know, there's there's highs and lows in any race. There's highs and lows in a 5K, right? You know, totally. Like, for people who can't comprehend what you're doing, like, how how do you just keep yourself moving forward when you're, you know, it's the middle of the night and you're by yourself and you're sick of it and you've had enough and, you know, like, <laughs> how do you keep going? Yeah, it's funny, right? Like, I was... I. I do like a ton of visualization in my training because I think it's something that um, really helps. Um, in If I visualized a section, I mean, everyone visualizes the moment where they cross the finish line and they've won and this great stuff's happened, but, <laughs> you know, the fun stuff. But I like if I'm doing a session and I think, oh, I don't really want to do this, and then I think about it, I'm like, no, like when you're by yourself at nighttime and you're trudging along, like I kind of draw on those moments. But I, I, you know what, and I think it's really pertinent to the year we're in because, like, we choose to be in these scenarios. Like, I, I remind myself, like, I'm choosing to suffer and it's, um, it's a period where people are going through a lot. Um, I, I struggle a lot with anxiety and depression and, um, have been in a lot of situations where I haven't chosen that suffering and, I think it's quite a privilege to have the opportunity to to choose to put yourself in that scenario. That's not to say there's aren't there isn't going to be points where I'm I'm not going to be happy, like a hundred percent. Like <laughs> I know that's going to happen. But my my strategy, funnily enough, my strategy is normally um, allowing myself to feel that way. So I know a lot of people will think to themselves, um, no, like you know, try and ignore it. But I have a bit of a thing in my head where. I definitely always break up a race into a few segments. So for me, um, that's going to be getting through the first 50K, getting through the 100K, then getting to the nighttime. And my my thing of getting to the nighttime is that all I can focus on during the night is a headlamp really because you can't see anything else mm. and someone will be with me at that point. So it's going to be one of those things that um, I'll draw on the people around me because that's that's why I pick the people I pick to be there because they know me and they'll they'll get me through it. But but also that that we're all there because we chose to be there. And there's a lot of people that would have loved to have raced. Um, there's people who I mean probably look at things like this and think how stupid. But um, I think in a year where things have just gone completely haywire, it's something that I can control. Like it's it's an event that I can put you know I've put everything into and um I dedicated pretty much the whole of 2018 to to getting into the race and to racing that event and um I mean I've dedicated the better part of this year to to doing it as well so I think drawing on that stuff is is important but but also just like just allowing myself to be miserable if I want to be miserable but also snapping out of it like you know okay you can be a sook for the next 5k's but after that we're going to get on with it which is worked in the past or and like worst case scenario i've got people there who will tell me to snap out of it so i think it's um it's interesting to hear you talk about like breaking you know breaking the race up into chunks because again for like a lot of like people who haven't run an ultra or whatever they might be thinking oh my god this this woman can run 200 k's that's incredible but like the the principles are the same as running a marathon or a half marathon, right? Like it still hurts and it's still hard, but you you break it down into pieces you can manage. You're going to feel good. You're going to feel terrible. Like, and you just kind of get through it 1K at a time, right? Well, the, I mean, the beauty of, of ultra running is you've got such a long time to fix things. So like I, <laughs> if, if stuff goes bad in a marathon, 
you don't have long to fix that. Like, and, and because there's such a, I mean, whenever we're trying, I mean, I trained a whole year for a marathon and, and kind of broke down trying to train for a marathon last year, funnily enough. Um, but as soon as you're off the pace in a marathon or as soon as something's going wrong in a marathon, you've got a very like small window to fix that. Sounds stupid. If you're a 5k running, probably like that's ridiculous. That's a long, long time to fix things. Yeah. But, and I mean, it obviously gets shorter and shorter from there, but. With an ultra, um, like I, I vividly rem- remember leaving when I did a hundred miles, I left a 50 K checkpoint and I said to myself, you can feel garbage until you get to the next checkpoint, which was like 30 Ks later. <laughs> and so I just like sucked so hard for 30 Ks. And I remember thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm 80 Ks through now. I'm halfway. I'll feel good for the next half. And it's, it, it is the beauty of ultra running because I guarantee, uh, unless you're a freak, which of which there are a couple, everyone is going to have um, low points, like regardless of who you are. If you're at the front, you're at the back, you're in the middle, you're going to have a low point. So, and it's the same goes for marathon running. Like I honestly have um, way more anxiety and doubt around running a marathon than I do running running um, ultras because it's just, it's just um, yeah, like it's a really small period in which you can fix things. So mm. I think, um, yeah, and I mean the big – misconception with ultra running is that you run everything you don't run everything so (laughs) there'll be a bit of hiking involved um which is also really nice because you can kind of i mean it's it's tough with a race that's as flat as costa cozy um because the expectation is you run a lot more than what you probably would any other 240k Mm. race yes um i i want to ask about nutrition because Mm. like (laughs) i I feel sick at the idea of like <laughs> fueling for a marathon, right? And we've discussed this before. And you know, a few weeks ago, I had I had maybe mm. I don't know four gels in a marathon, and I felt sick for like a day and a half afterwards. It was gruesome. Uh huh. What's uh, what's the what's the plan? What are you uh, what are you going with for this? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. So I can pretty much eat whatever. I'm super lucky in that sense. Um. I, if I had to eat gels for 240Ks, I could, um, which is repulsive to say. Can we talk about your, before we go in, actually, before we get into your nutrition for this race, uh, Mm. what is your, what's, what's the most gels you've ever had in a race? Oh, don't, don't bring that up. Uh, (laughs) A lot, like 50 probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not nice. Yeah. No, it's gross. Was that, was that in a hundred, was that in a hundred miler? Yeah, all I ate was gels for that whole race, and that was a 26-hour. And when I said it was 100 miles, it was like 180K, so it's a little bit like classic ultra running. Nothing's ever as long as they tell you it is. It's always longer. It's always oh. shorter. Um, so, yeah, 26 hours worth of gels. Like I was was not in a good way, but you get through it. Yeah, it's not gels. I fainted at the end, which probably gives you a good idea of um, how well that sustained me. <laughs> but, all right, what, yeah. What's, yeah what, are you, what are you having this time? Okay, so I'm a heaps more sensible this time. So I think because um, I'll be moving fairly slowly at points, I plan on eating some noodles at night time. Um, I'll have some potatoes and things like that. Uh, I will have quite a few gels. I've got um, probably, yeah, close to like, not that I'll eat them all, but I've probably got close to like 60 or 70 ready to go. Um, <laughs> 70 gels. <laughs> well, actually, Tim's going to keep a record of, um, of everything I eat to try and get an idea of like how much I'm actually eating. So we'll have a tally at the end. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. But, um, 
Yeah, so Coke, Coke is my best friend when when running. Um, done plenty of ultras purely on on Coca Cola. So do you, me up, do, you, do you um, do you flatten it first? Yeah, you would like right. you do you do what you can. I mean, right. um, yeah, I I ran six foot purely on um, Coke, and it was the the best thing ever. Um, my big problem is hydration. So I definitely don't drink enough, and I made that mistake. At, Tarawira where I drank too much and ended up with hyponatremia and I don't want to end up in that scenario again. So I've really changed things with my hydration because that um that was a huge problem. Um like I was yeah, pretty pretty crook. So um electrolytes, that kind of thing, not flooding myself with water. I've learned a lot since then about um actually how prone to hyponatremia women are, which is just another joy. Um so yeah, just like a few things in that sense, like electrolytes are, are, are a big thing. And like in terms of eating, yeah, I'll eat what I've got. Like a bit of real food if I can, but for me, I'm more about function over, yeah. Um. The, um, another, another good like piece of context or window for people into like how grassroots this race is, um, I, I, I haven't mentioned this to the audience yet. I, I'm attending the race, I'm shooting the race and, and writing about your um, – your race experience for tempo so so that will be on the site um a couple of weeks afterwards but so because i'm going to be at the race i've been like looking at the (laughs) website for the race which is incredible uh and the social media and stuff and one of the big announcements this week is that one of the uh one of the primary schools along the race route uh i forget what it is you'll you'll be able to jump in but uh their big like fundraiser for the year is putting on like a tuck shop basically for the race is that right yeah that's that's the kind of people that that we've got. So it's like I love it. I think it's great. Um, yeah, it's awesome. They were the big losers when it came to Coast to Cozy not happening. That and the playlist I made for 2018. That'll. <laughs> it's really sad that wouldn't that didn't get a play. But um, yeah, Toowoomba Public School. So they're a tiny school. I think they've got like 50 students or something like teeny wow. tiny. And you'll see it when you drive through. It's super cute. Like in the middle of this valley, it's beautiful. Like you, if you could go back and be a kid, you'd want to be there. So, um, yeah, the tuck shop items are as you would expect, like your classic bacon and egg rolls, which I'll be having none of at that point because that will certainly end a, end a day early. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, <laughs> the other big one is in Dalgetty, which is probably, I'm going to get this distance wrong, but it's just out of Jindabyne. Like when I say just, it's tens of kilometers, but out of, out of Jindabyne. And, um, there's a pub there. And the big thing is about everyone being able to get to the pub before it closes. So I'll do my best in that sense. But, um, yeah, apparently the locals there like really G up for the race to get out there and give you a hard time. So looking forward to that. Wow. Some, yeah, drunk heckling <laughs> from the locals. But yeah, it is super grassroots. And I think that's the beauty of it is that everyone calls it a race and, you know, it's, it is a race, but it's very much an event and a, like a community thing. And, mm. um, it's, it's great that it's back because it's the longest event that we've got in Australia. And, um, I think it's cool that we can go from the coast to the summit of Australia and like pass through if, some little communities that need it at the moment. If, uh, if anyone from that primary school tuck shop is listening, I am, I'm, I'm coming strong for the cakes and the slices. Uh, I think there's, there's the uh, juice, juice, po- juice poppers yeah. as well. I'm going to hit a juice popper, maybe grab another one for the road. So looking forward to that. Um, 
<laughs> Speaking of, it, it is a really small field, right? It's like 50, 50 participants or something like that. Yeah. So they announced 60 and like 11 people have dropped out. So it's 49 now. Yep. I, you know, I think like you get to like a week out from the race and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to run that 240 next weekend. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, uh. You know what makes me nervous is those guys that have done it a stack of times that have pulled out. I'm like, hmm, ooh, ooh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. life's, life's too short these days, you know? Yeah. Speaking uh. before about like the progression, you know, for you and sort of, you know, gradually stepping up in distances, like the question has to be asked, like where, t- and, and, I, and I'm sure I'll ask you, uh, I'll ask you probably over a beer after the race, like where to from here? Like, do you, do you think about that? Do you worry about that? Like, is this going to be some kind of itch that you can never scratch of like always wanting to find a longer race? Yeah. Like I thought that too. It's, it's funny, right? So, um, I think, uh, my progression will come more from getting better at what I've done. So, um, I don't necessarily want to run longer. There's events that I want to do, which are like, um, not in, in the immediate future. And obviously with not being able to travel as well, that changes a lot of things. And I'm also not going to unnecessarily travel for races at the moment. Um, like I, you know, what's the point? Um, so I, yeah, there's definitely big races out there that I want to do. And I, it's funny because in terms of actual, uh, time, it's only going to really be four hours. <laughs> four hours longer than what I've done before. So you look at that and you kind of go, all right, well, you know, I could go and do something like um, hard rock, which is shorter in distance, but in terms of time is going to be quite a long day out because of the the effort it takes. So there's those kind of crossovers as well, except I'd never do hard rock because I hate hiking. So not for me, but in doing something like a marathon, for instance, like that kind of challenge, funnily enough, actually, um, excites me a little bit more than maybe going out and trying to do something longer or, um, mm. it, yeah, it's interesting. Like I find the challenge for me because I mean, I did a marathon pace tempo workout yesterday and I was like, I have no idea what marathon pace is right now. Like I'm so slow. I do a stride at like <laughs> pretty much marathon pace. Um, <laughs> So building like a bit of speed back up is like a good challenge, really. So I don't know. I think there's this thing with people who always want to say, oh, I've done this, but I've done this, but I've done this. But I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't really have an itch to, to, you know, I don't want to go and I'm not a big like running for running sake kind of person. Like I love running and it's, it's, um, such a huge part of who I am. Like I work in running. I like, coach I've got you know I run every day like it's such a big part of me that um I never want to wear out my love of running and so Mm. I'll never chase that that next big event or anything like that and I mean I'm not a huge I'm not a not a huge racer anyway I I get huge like stress around racing so for me um being able to actually find um the challenge in a shorter event is is kind of cool too like Mm. doing a half marathon and running a half marathon well last year like that that was a huge like highlight for me last year because I was like oh you know I came off the back of doing um six foot track and came back from doing speed project and um thought okay I'm gonna try and run a marathon this year so yeah I don't think it necessarily has to progress in a um greater and bigger direction I just think Mm. we can get better at um like kind of 
um, I guess, finessing the skills we've got. So, like, for me next year, my huge goal is to, like, have a real red hot crack at six-foot track because um, it's, like, it's kind of the event for for trail running and, um, you know, I had an okay run last year um, and I, I, th- I know I can do better there. So, it's one of those things that, yeah, I don't really necessarily want to go longer. I mean, I don't know how much, like, more I can find myself out there by going longer. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to finish by asking that sort of question I alluded to earlier. Like, there'll be a lot of people who are, you know, at different stages of their running journey who might be thinking like, oh, you know, 100 mile, 100K, impossible. Like, 50K, impossible. I could never do that. But, like, yeah. everyone has started somewhere, right? And I think one of the things we're seeing in 2020 is, like, more people are getting off roads and running more trail. And maybe now they're starting to think, well, okay, there's some races coming up over summer. Am I capable of entering a trail race, finishing a trail race of whatever distance? Like what's the, what's the advice you would have for people who are, you know, maybe road runners of some degree, but looking to kind of take that first step into, into entering a trail race? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess there's a few parts to it. Um, and it's, like nothing has made me happier than than taking mates who ordinarily would only run road and taking them on the trail and showing them a spot that they've never been to and them just being like completely overwhelmed with how beautiful it is. But I think the big thing, and I 100% did it last year when I was training for a marathon, it's, it's really hard to get out of that mindset that you need to be running a certain pace and it's got to be continuous and um unfortunately the nature of most trails depending on where you go but the nature of most trail is going to be you're going to run slower like it's just just a byproduct of the terrain you're on and um yeah it's just not the same obviously so i guess if you're a road runner i guess just adjusting your expectations in in how fast you're going to travel over that kind of stuff is the first step because i know a ton of road runners that i've taken on trail and they're like oh we're running so slow and they kind of get frustrated with the process and um yeah it is slower but it's yeah there's something so special about going out and and I think for everyone as well that's kind of been the beauty of um I guess if you can see a silver lining in something like COVID especially for you guys down in Melbourne like being stuck in that 5k radius if you're not fortunate enough to be out in the bush like I'm sure there's nothing more that you guys would want to do right now than to get out of where you've been and to go hit hit some trail and like it's been, a, yeah, a huge highlight in our friendship is like seeing your like lava trail grow, and that's been really cool. But yeah, I think I think just adjusting your expectations, not being afraid to hike. Like, um, I think it was Laney maybe who said like talking about hiking. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's um, it it can seem kind of counterintuitive, but you've got to do it sometimes. Like, I don't know many people that can run like you know <laughs> straight up the side of a mountain. So. That, yeah, I think that's important. I think just like dipping your toe in the water, maybe go on to a trail that's like not super technical to start with. Like I remember um, the first trail Tim took me on and I remember being like, who are you? There's no way you guys are running this shit. Like it's rocky. There's tree roots everywhere. Like I can't run this. And I got so frustrated and like so angry with myself that I couldn't run that stuff. So I think like something like Yuyang's down in Melbourne is like perfect for, you know, your, your roadrunner kind of transitioning to trail. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, best thing to do, like if you've got mates who run trail, get them to take you. They'll love it. They love like trail runners love showing their cool skills to their roadmates. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's, actually. um, yeah. 
I think, yeah. I mean, there's so many trail races now. Um, people write great race reports. Like you can get an idea of what the trail looks like. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people that um, we coach and, and we, we chat to on like a daily basis who are like, what do I do? And it's really no different from stepping out of your door um, on the road. It's just about like going somewhere new, taking your phone. You just never know. Um, and like a snake bandage maybe. Um, and just making sure that like you just enjoy it. Like I, I almost just switch my Garmin off sometimes if, if it's going to be something that, you know, I mean, like when we were in the Blue Mountains doing, um, the mini and the tempo shoot, I remember thinking like, oh gosh, like taking, you know, I wasn't sure how you were going to take it, but it was so nice to see like how much you enjoyed that. And I think like terrain like that, for instance, like that's scary to take someone out who's never never run that kind of stuff so that was yeah I think that's cool but I think just adjusting your expectations around what that terrain's going to look like and how fast you're going to move over it and because no matter who I mean no matter who you are there's always going to be an element of hiking when it comes to trail running I uh I enjoyed my first trip to the Blue Mountains I don't know how much our film crew enjoyed uh <laughs> lugging their gear around but that's uh that's that's a story for a whole different uh podcast um Mick, so excited, uh, so excited to, well, for me, I'm excited to just, I love Melbourne, but to get out of Melbourne for the first time in, in many months and come and see the race. I'm excited for the tuck shop, you know, <laughs> everything that kind of comes with, uh, with Coast to Cozzy and, uh, oh, and for everybody listening and watching this on YouTube, like we'll, uh, we'll be bringing you some stuff from Mick's race kind of live as it happens and afterwards as well. So Mick, thanks for your time today. Thanks for jumping on the show. And uh, yeah, good luck for the race. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to see you guys. It's going to be such good fun. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those kind of, I hope the race continues. So like more and more people hopefully want to go and do something like that. The idea of 240Ks or like even 100Ks, I've never run, uh, you know, the furthest I've run is a marathon, right? Which for some people is really far, for some people is um, is peanuts. But like, it's interesting to hear the process for doing something like that is, it's the same for pretty much everything, right? Um, and I'm sure even like sprinters, they they break their race down into chunks. It's the start, it's, you know, different sections and then, and then finishing. And, um, you know, if you're someone who like, is daunted by the idea of stepping up in distance, whether it's stepping up from a from a five k to your first ten k or a ten k to a half or you know whatever. Like it's you know it's about breaking it up. You you can't focus on the whole thing at, at a time because you'll just it'll, it'll overwhelm you and you just won't get it done. So um, it was cool to hear like Mick talk about you know breaking it up or give yourself five k's, which in the scheme of, of a race that length is is not much time at all. Give yourself five k's to like sook and be unhappy, but then, you know, you snap out of it. Um, also, the idea of like, you know, it, it in 2020, of course, it is kind of, it's a privilege to be able to put ourselves in these situations. You know, being in Melbourne, we haven't had the chance to race and like people are, are screaming out for races and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, just having that perspective and that awareness of, of like what you're choosing to do and getting to Getting to follow your passions, I guess. Um, yeah, I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. I found it super interesting to chat to Mick. As I've said a few times, I'll be there. I'll be covering the race. I don't know what that will be like, uh, 30 hours of shooting and taking notes. And I'll try and ask Mick some questions and get some good quotes for the article as well. But uh, she might tell me to piss off. So 
That's it for this week, guys. Last episode of the season is coming up next week. We'll be talking all things Lonnie 10 and Lonnie Half. Until then, that's it from me. Thanks for being here with us and uh, keep your easy days easy. Easy.